0: and take them in your hand digital or paper or paper leather whatever it might be papyrus uh, go ahead and take it in your hand and and open to the book of acts chapter 16 the book of acts chapter 16 this morning i love to preach god's word i'm honored to preach god's word and i'm very grateful that you are here to receive god's word as we go into it together in acts chapter 16 The man named Paul, who had once arrested followers of Jesus Christ, was now traveling from place to place, particularly around the Mediterranean. He's traveling from place to place, now taking the good news of Jesus Christ to people and to see them saved. So it's fascinating, the man who had once arrested Christians was now a Christian, and he was leading others to faith in Christ. Only God can do that. But as we've looked at a few weeks ago, the fact is that Paul never traveled alone. Paul never traveled alone. He followed the directive of Jesus, who sent out his followers in groups of at least two, for, For a lot of very important reasons, but Jesus gave that directive, and Paul, following that directive, never traveled alone. Paul knew, Paul understood that he would travel further and do more with someone than if he traveled alone. That's a very important principle that I really want you to get in these weeks, that still today... We will travel further in Christ and we will do more for Christ if we understand that I was never called to travel this journey alone. That I am a part of a body of believers, we call that a church, that's not just a structure, that's more than that, it's it's a fellowship of believers, but we're in this together and we will travel further and do more if we're in fellowship with others than if we were to try traveling it alone. We were never meant... To travel this journey alone. Well, on this particular trip, Paul, his his traveling companions were two people. Their their names were uh, Timothy and Silas. In Acts chapter sixteen, you have it there in front of you. Acts chapter sixteen. Look at verse twelve. It says this: We traveled to Philippi. It's the name of the city. A Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. It says here they went to this leading city called Philippi, and they stayed there several days. Now, they're there. It says for just a few days, but what happened in those days was really, really important. And look at verse. Uh, in fact, verses fourteen and fifteen. A businesswoman. This is her story. A businesswoman named Lydia. The Bible describes her as a, a worshipper of God, or she was devout in God. She knew, she knew about God. She was a, a Jewish woman. Uh, she's a worshipper of God, but she heard the message of Jesus, and she and the rest of her family, it says, came to Christ. So you understand, she was a a person who was devout but then came to Christ when she heard the message. That's like a lot of people today. There's a lot of people today who who know about God and who are in some degrees devout, but they don't know that they can have a personal relationship with the Son of God, Jesus Christ. That's a lot of people today. This was this woman named Lydia. Now, here's, here's this woman. She and her family, it says, came to Christ And the church in Philippi, that is the gathering of believers in Philippi, began to grow. It's planted. The Philippian church has begun with with the salvation of a highly regarded woman, a businesswoman in the community and her family. Now the next person who came to Jesus was not so highly regarded. Look at verse 16. It says this. Once when we were going to the place of prayer we were met by a female slave who had a spirit that is a demonic spirit this is not the holy spirit this is a demonic spirit by which she predicted the future she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling so here's this woman in verse 16 we are not given her name only it says here that she was owned by someone she was a slave well, there's a whole lot that goes with that that is just all horrible, isn't it? But she's owned by someone else and and she, she told fortunes because she was possessed by and controlled by demonic spirits. Look at verse seventeen. It says, "She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting. These men, imagine this in your mind, she follows them around place to place in the community and she yells this, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now if you look at her statement there in verse 17, everything that she said was true. Notice that. That's a true statement. These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. The problem was it was very, very distracting. It was distracting. Uh, th- that's really what the enemy tries to... Do you know that the enemy, if, 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 if he can distract people from something, if they can, he can distract them, draw attention to themselves, then, then it, it damages the gospel. And this is what was happening here. This went on, it says, for days. You know, I read this account... me just step away from the text for a moment but i imagine this young woman uh she's she's in a horrible condition she's a slave woman so she's someone owns her and 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 i can't i can't fully imagine the abuse that must have gone with that she's property it's horrible but not only is she a slave but she's also possessed by demons so here's a woman who is who is in absolute bondage from the outside and absolute bondage on the inside. What a horrible existence. And I, I, I th- the reason that I point that out is I wonder how many people today, we see them in our community, wherever we go, we see people in bondage, and it's very easy to dismiss them and go, oh, man, you know, this is, boy, what a, what a horrible person or uh, what, a, what, a, what a disturbing person. And we forget that, that, that sometimes people are controlling them or people have abused them or people have wounded them. And, and sometimes there's things within them that are controlling them or, or, or there's some, or just a whole bunch of bad stuff. And, and, and this is my prayer. Lord, let me see people the way that you see people. People that have been wounded, people that have been fragmented, people that have been broken. I mean, we're, we're 2,000 years removed from this girl, and my heart goes out. Maybe your heart goes out to her as well. What a horrible place that she's in. Finally, Paul, again, this went on for several days. She would draw attention to listen to these guys. These are the, from the Most High God. They're telling you the way of salvation, but it was distracting every time he would start speaking. They would do this, or there was some kind of a distraction Finally, Paul had enough. Verse 18, notice it says Paul turned around and he said to the spirit. He didn't say this to the girl. He said it to the spirit within the girl. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. Now, remember, a few moments ago, I mentioned that there are two other people who were there in Philippi. We don't think that Timothy was here at this moment because of what comes later. But we know that Silas is there. So we know Paul and Silas were here this day, Timothy off doing something else. I wonder what Silas was doing while Paul is saying this. What would you do? You're there, and all of a sudden Paul turns around and with the power of the Holy Spirit commands the demon to come out. I wonder what Silas was doing. Here's what I think Silas was doing. I think he was praying Oh, Lord, do a mighty work. Maybe he was praying, Oh, Lord, I'm really glad Paul's saying this and not me. But he's praying. He's not just observing, he's praying, but he's there with him. It's one of the reasons why Paul put people with him, so that while he is being used of God, someone else is praying. And I think the opposite was true. I think sometimes Silas was ministering, and Paul would be standing back and praying. When Paul commanded the demon to leave the girl in Jesus' name, it says that the demon came out at that very moment. And she was immediately set free. It wasn't a, a gradual thing. It wasn't over the course of some days or weeks. But it was an immediate thing. The demons came out of her and she was immediately set free. It does not say here that, that, that in that act of the demons coming out that the presence of Jesus came in. But I believe this... That this young woman who suddenly was free from demonic spirits and sees this man who had been preaching Jesus and she knows it, I believe that in that moment now she accepts Jesus. Why wouldn't she? Why wouldn't she? Jesus just set her free. She's been set free in the name of Jesus. And when you've been set free in the name of Jesus, you're very quick to receive Jesus. She accepts Christ. Christ. So a second person was added to the church in Philippi. Actually, more than that, because it was Lydia and her family, and now a young slave girl is a part of that church, a part of that gathering of believers. She was someone who had known demonic power, but now knew the power of Jesus. What a wonderful person to have in a church. Think of that. Wouldn't it be great to have that in a church? You know, uh, there... (laughs) It's good when respected people in society, like Lydia, the businesswoman, it's great when they become a part of a church. But I, I had a friend. I had a friend once. He, he was talking about. His heart was good, but he just he made the comment. He says, "Oh, we have, we have so many millionaires in our church, and we have so many people of prominent positions, influential positions in the community." And that's great. Some of you are persons of influence, but isn't it great wouldn't it be isn't it great to say this whole section used to be demon-possessed, glory to God, but now they're set free. You know what? I want I want both in a church. I mean, I want people who, yeah, who may have been devout, but they were still lost. They came to Jesus. And then I want a whole bunch of people that were just totally messed up and and bound in all kinds of things, but set free by the power of Jesus Christ and their part of a church. You know what? Here's the thing. We're all lost without him. So I don't know if you're in one camp or the other, and it really doesn't matter. I know this, that Jesus saves all kinds of people. Now, because she was free from demonic spirits, she could no longer tell fortunes. When the demons left, the power left. When the demons left, the power left. Let me just throw this in. Have nothing to do with astrology. It is not innocent. It is demonic. Now, that may sting a little bit to some of you here or those listening, Some of you check the horoscope in the morning, in the newspaper, some other means. Don't have anything to do with it. It's not innocent, it's demonic. Well, I want somebody to tell my fortune. It's not innocent, it's demonic. And this tells us so. Because when the demons left, the power left. She could no longer do that. No more fortune telling. There was also no more revenue. Verse 19 says that the men who owned her the men who had profited from her were furious. They were furious. So this little girl was just delighted. The demons are gone. No longer that inner torment. But the people that owned her were furious. I assume some things in Scripture, and here's one of them. I assume that they initially had no problem With Paul and Silas and Timothy and other traveling companions perhaps preaching Jesus, I doubt that they had much problem with that. You see, in their minds, when Paul and his traveling companions show up in Philippi and start talking, they probably just regarded Christianity as another philosophy. No problem. We'll just add it to the hundreds or thousands of philosophies that are out there. But when Jesus' power was demonstrated, and demons fled, and a life was changed, when that began to cut into their prophets, then they got agitated. Then they became angry. Listen to me. When Jesus' message is not demonstrated with Jesus' power, Satan is just fine with that. Satan has no problem when people talk about Jesus, but when there's no resulting life change. He has no problem with that. But when people's hearts and minds and behaviors are transformed by the power of Jesus Christ, then Satan gets riled up. He does. When all of a sudden there's a demonstrable change, I think differently, I speak differently, I do differently. Suddenly when it begins to affect the enemy's territory, he begins to get upset. If you talk about Jesus, but there's really no corresponding life change, well then, so what? Keep talking. But when there's a powerful life change, now Satan gets riled. Listen to me. Today, today, now 21st century, not 1st century, today, when people come to Christ and are delivered from Satan's power, they begin to live differently. That's very important, but sometimes we miss that. Let me say it again. When people experience Jesus's power today and they come to him, there is a corresponding life change. They stop financing the casino. Did you know that? When people come to Jesus Christ, all of a sudden God begins to work in them and they go, I can't do that anymore. Some people say, oh, come on, you're getting a bit legalistic there, talking about behavior. But that's what happens because now the power of Satan no longer has power over us. Now we're controlled by Jesus and the things that we used to do, we no longer do. How many Christians stop financing the casino? Or they stop financing the drug dealer? Or they stop financing that bar? Or they stop financing that porn site? How many people who have been transformed by the gospel? who've been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ, suddenly begin to live differently. They begin to, to prioritize things differently, and they say, I'm not going to do that anymore. And all of a sudden, it begins to cut into the enemy's profits. It should. It should. If, if, if my life looks remarkably similar or identical to the way that it was before Christ, then I wonder if there's actually been a change regardless of what we say. When lives are transformed through the power of the cross, the enemy of our souls will begin pushing back in shocking ways. Get ready for it. Now, don't let that bother. Don't let that say, well, then I'm not going to get close to Jesus because if I get close to Jesus, then the enemy's going to come. Well, listen, um, uh, you're still free, and, and don't go back to that because that bondage is worse than anything, but just be ready. The enemy hates to lose territory, and he wants to take territory back. Get ready for it. The people who had once controlled the young woman, the Bible tells us that they rioted. Verse 19 says they seized forcibly took hold of Paul and Silas, dragged them before the authorities, made false accusations against them. Verse 22 says the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. Look at verse 23. It says this. They were savagely flogged and thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. That's just a few words, but I'll tell you what, there's a whole lot of pain involved with all of that. Here's Paul and Silas traveling companions in God's great plan. They were in God's plan. They were in God's purpose, right? They did not step out of God's plan for a few moments and then were thrown into prison because of it. No, they're in God's plan. They're in His purposes. And now, in His plan, they're in the depths of a prison. The Bible says their backs have been beaten and bloodied, their feet literally chained down. These people... We're in an uncertain and seemingly impossible place. But they were there together. These people in God's plan were in a seemingly impossible place. Their future very uncertain, but they were not there alone. They were there together. I'm so glad that they were there together. Hear me. When you go through dark and painful places, are there other uh, Christians with you? When you go through bloody and brutal times, are there other Christians who are there with you? Is there someone when you are in the absolute worst times of your life and you don't understand why it's happening, but you still trust God, and the future is extremely uncertain, is there someone you can call and say, would you be with me? Would you stand with me? Earlier this morning, I heard somebody give a powerful testimony of God's grace. in One of the most difficult times of her life, she called upon friends and said, would you pray with me? This is what's happening here. They're there together. Do you have someone who will remain beside you in dark and painful nights? Some of you have begun watching and joining us via live stream, and we're very glad that you're a part. That being said, if you're in a different community and the only relationship you have with other believers is watching some people on this platform once a week, but you do not have a relationship with others, then I encourage you, find a church there in your community. Go there and meet other believers who will be with you in the darkest of times. We're all going to face them. How many here have been very glad? Let me sit with a showing of hands. How many here have been very glad for other believers in the darkest of nights? Thank God that we have others. Paul did. Silas did. So they're in this seemingly impossible situation. But when God's people are in God's plan, impossible situations are opportunities for God to perform the miraculous. Again, when God's people are in God's plan, Impossible situations are opportunities for God to perform the miraculous. Do you know that you cannot have a a, a miracle without a really big problem or even an impossible situation? Say, well, this is impossible. Well, glory to God. Get ready. Jesus works miracles in impossible situations. See, these guys have been, they're they're strangers in in a strange town. They're nobodies. The, the, the local people, the people who own things and own people. The movers and the shakers, they're, <coughs> they're accusing them of trumped up charges and, and it's bad for them. They, they, they could die. But that's when God works a miracle. Verse 25 says this, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them it's such an important verse i want you to read it again in your bibles about midnight paul and silas were praying and singing hymns to god and the other prisoners were listening to them two things that they're doing they're praying out loud so how do you know they're praying out loud because others were listening to them and because they knew they were praying because of what they were saying um and they were singing praises Uh, I wonder what they prayed. (laughs) I wonder what they prayed. I don't know. Doesn't record it. But here's what I'd like to think they prayed. And I think I'm not too far off. Oh, God, we don't understand why. We don't understand when. But we trust who? We we, we trust you. God, we didn't see any of this coming. But I believe that you still have a purpose for us and we're going to trust you. They prayed that in the middle of the night, and others heard them. I wonder what they sang, right? Did you ever wonder these things? It says they prayed, others heard them, and they sang. I wonder what they sang. Maybe something like, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures, here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son and holy Ghost." Paul sang bass and Silas tenor. It was beautiful. And Silas said, "Paul, sing it again. I don't know what's going to happen, so would you sing it again? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. And they would sing it. And I think, again, I don't know, I want to see it replayed when I get to heaven, but I can't help but wonder if every time they sang it, it just got a little bit stronger and bolder. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Maybe they sang, Let the King of my heart Good Lord. Come on, Silas, sing it louder. You are good. Good Lord. Let the guys in the other cells hear us. You are good. Good Lord. In the middle of the night, with backs bloodied and beaten, and their feet in stocks, they prayed and they praised They didn't pray because things were going well. They weren't. They didn't praise because their future was certain. It wasn't. They prayed and they praised because regardless of their circumstances, God was worthy of praise and they were still in His plan. Their circumstances did not stop their praying and their praising. (coughs) And when God's people trust the Lord in tough times, it will affect others. That line in verse 25 is easily overlooked, but do not overlook it. It says, And the other prisoners were listening to them. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Did you notice that? How strange it must have sounded to those who were listening. You see, if prisoners in a prison, if they complain and they curse, no one listens to them. Do you know why? You're supposed to complain and, con- and curse when you're in prison. That would not have stood out. Imagine this, Paul and Silas. Man, I hate those people that put us in here. Jailer, we were falsely accused. There's been an injustice done. We demand to be out of here. They could have said, this is a terrible place, and I remember who beat me, and I'm going to get you. They could have turned on each other, and Paul said to Silas, you know what? You stink. You can eat deodorant. Silas could have said it, Paul, yeah, well, if you wouldn't have shot your mouth off, I'd be, I'd be over at, at Nico's eating falafel right now. See, here's my point. When you're in prison and you've been beaten and you've been bloodied and your feet are tied down and you're restricted, you're supposed to complain. But i tell you what, if that's all you do, nobody will listen to you who are other people who are in the same prison. But when God's people trust him in hard times, other people notice. Hear me on that. When God's people trust him in hard times, other people notice. Imagine the other prisoners. All of a sudden, hear people start praying and saying, Oh God, you're greater than this. You're bigger than this. I don't know how, and I don't know when, but I know that you're going to be the one to set us free. Hallelujah. And they prayed it, and others heard them. And then when they started singing praises to God, other people heard it. It was so strange. That's why it's recorded. And other people were listening. When God's people trust him in hard times, other people notice. Now, let me ask you this. I need a showing of hands. Please, I need a showing of hands. How many here believe that this is more than just a story, but it's a lesson for today? How many believe that? Good, okay. Then if in difficult times then and difficult times today, If back then we were to trust God and praise Him in the difficult times rather than do what everyone else is doing and complaining and griping and bellyaching, then should we not do the same today in our difficult times? My concern is that people who say, I trust in Jesus, but the only thing they do is complain and grumble about the situations around them rather than pointing people to Jesus and say, glory to God, I don't know why it's happening. I don't know when it's going to stop, but I'm going to put my trust in him and I'm going to praise him in the dead of night rather than complain like everyone else. Somebody say amen. Amen. It's a little subdued, but you know what? You say, well, wait a minute, things are different now. I don't know. I, I, I think things are hard right now. But consider who was on the throne of, of, of the Roman Empire at this time. Bad persons. Consider about the, the, the difficult corruption in that in that community of Philippi in first century Roman Empire. It was horrible. Consider the fact that they had been falsely accused and misunderstood and thrown in prison and beaten and bloodied in their feet, chained down. And if in those restrictive, difficult, painful, hard times, tough times, if they can pray and praise then, how much more so should we do it today? Today? Pastor, this is. I did not come to do this. I did not brave the cold weather to come and hear this. Well, let me tell you something. This world will not be changed by your complaining, this world will not be changed by your grumbling. This world will not be changed by you doing what everyone else does. But this world will sit up and listen, and they will hear, and they will trust in God when you begin to say in the most difficult of times, I will praise him, and I will trust him, and I will have hope for today and for tomorrow. I don't know how it's all going to work out, but I'll tell you what, the people around me and the people that are far off, I want them to know I'm trusting in Jesus during this time. There' was an early church historian named Eusebius. Fourth century. If you know anything about history, you know the fourth century, end of the, end of the 200s, beginning of the 300s. The fourth century was a bad time. Christians were literally being thrown to the lions. Eusebius, church historian. Pastor Ben reads Eusebius all. When he can't sleep at night, he pulls out Eusebius and reads it, I'm sure. (laughs) Eusebius wrote this. It's on the screen. The deeds, that is the actions, the deeds of the Christians were on everyone's lips. And they, that is the people around them, and they glorified the God of the Christians. What does it mean? It means that in the most difficult of times... When the Roman Empire was persecuting Christians on an unprecedented level, the deeds, the actions of the Christians, everyone else was talking about them. How is it that they, they would say, how is it that they can trust God and glorify God when they are being thrown to the lions? How is it that when they are being burned alive, they do so with praises on their lips? See, the world around them began to set up and take notice. The deeds of the Christians were on everyone's lips, and they, that is the people around them, began to glorify the God of the Christians. How do you change the world around you? Not by complaining like everyone else in prison, but by lifting up your hearts and your eyes and your voice and your your words and saying, glory to God, I don't know what and I don't know when, but I know who. in dark and difficult times and places, may the people around you see you and hear you trusting in the Lord. Hang on real tight here. May the people that read your Facebook feeds in dark and difficult... Is this bulletproof? In dark and difficult times... May the people who see you and hear you say that is a person who trusts in Jesus. Our farewell service will be in one and a half weeks from now. Verse 26 then says this. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. All at once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Here's another assumption. I don't believe it would have happened if they would have simply belly ached and complained like all of the other prisoners. But because they did what God had called them to do and because they did not give up hope and because they did not give up faith in the dark and difficult times, the place was literally shaken. There was such a violent earthquake, a focused, God-directed earthquake that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. And have you ever noticed this? It wasn't just Paul and Silas' door that opened, but all the doors flew open. It wasn't just Paul and Silas's chains that were broken. Everyone's chains came loose, it says. Why? Because when Jesus brings freedom to one, he makes freedom possible for others. You are in a dark and difficult place right now, and God has a purpose. Some of you are going through the trial of a lifetime some of you are facing a diagnosis that is dire some of you have had some challenge in the last month two months six months that is beyond anything you've ever faced but i'm telling you that if you are a follower of jesus christ You are in that difficult place for a purpose. And when you trust God in that dark and difficult places, when you do not give in to despair, when you do not give in to anger, when you do not give in to rage, when you do not give in to doubt, but when you trust Jesus, then not only you will be changed, but the people around you. Their chains will be broken. Their walls will come down. When you praise him and when you pray in the middle of the darkest of nights. And that's for every one of us. You see, I do believe that what happened in the first century is supposed to happen in the 21st century. I believe what God did then, God does now. I believe that God, the plan that he had then for his people is the plan that he has now for his people. Newsflash, life is hard. Sometimes it's harder than others. Life is painful. Sometimes it's more painful than others. Some wonderful day, there will be no more pain, no more frustration, no more difficulty. But until that day, that's something we're going to have to live with. But in the middle of this prison, this challenging thing that we call life, I am going to praise him, and I'm going to trust him, and I'm going to let the people around me hear it. How about you? I'd like you to stand with me, please. I have done my part. I have spoken a pretty strong message at a very critical time, and uh, now it's your responsibility because I believe that by his Holy Spirit, he's already been putting some things into our heart and speaking to us and saying, yeah, others are listening. What am I saying? I would like you to, I want to pray over you where our time is almost done here today, And so many of you have come here today. We have so many people. Thank you for being here. So many of you have joined us one way or another uh, on the internet. We're so glad that you're here. Um, But I want to pray for you. And uh, I want to ask God's blessing upon you um, to be his voice of faith and deliverance. Not only for the situation you're in, but for those who are listening around you those who are watching around you. So let me pray for you. Lord, in a few moments we're going to go back into the the challenges of our lives. For a few moments we've gathered together to around your word and you've spoken to us, but now Lord as we go out in into those challenges, may we live Acts 16, not just read it. May we in our challenges be known as people who pray, people who praise, people who trust, people who look up rather than just look around at the circumstances around them. And Lord, for those who are listening around us, may they see in us the power of God. May they see in us the message of Jesus Christ. May they talk about us. But more than that, talk about the Lord who is within us. So that in time, their chains will be broken. Their walls will come down. And you will do a shaking in what may be the last of days. We don't know. But in what may be the last of days, may there be Such a violent shaking that people are set free. Thank you, Lord. Your blessing upon us as we go. Your favor upon us as we go. Your people in the midst of a broken world for your glory. Together, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Go in the presence and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as always, these altars are open. God bless you today.